Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. couple days because pierce you you brought us an article and and uh said that this was a a a thing that caught your attention and and you thought it would be good for us to talk about um and i think the three of us all read it and responded with some some version at varying levels of intensity of what i texted back which was this is fucking fascinating yeah yeah you know, I'd, I let let's take a moment for the listeners just to realize this. I send you all articles frequently, and I think of you all when I send them to you. And Sean's the only that reads them. I'm if if that even. And so the response is great. <laughs> I'm glad we're going to talk about it. But also, like, I don't just send these to send these. I send these because I think that they will make you know they will enrich you in some way. I you know so they're not just feeding a compulsion. Yeah, I'm not just it's not it's not like when a relative of yours like gives you a thing that they really like, but that's the end of their thought is they just give it to you because they like it. And you're like, wow, this is great. I love this calendar that I can put into my car like that doesn't do any good for you. But this See, is like I think this is I, I kind of think that, that is what it is, because I like usually read the first paragraph and then <laughs> like, every once in a while it's like, oh, yeah, this one's good. I'll do this one. Yeah. It's like but, the relative but, gifts. But I think that this one, there is something larger here because the article we read, which is, sorry, folks, it's a New Yorker article. It was recommended by me. You have to keep that in mind. But it is called There and Back Again, which, you know, is appropriate for this group for a number of reasons. But it is about um, consumerism in terms of how returns work because – the ability to return, um, free returns, um, we accept everything, we do all this returns, especially in this day and age of a lot of your commerce is done via the internet. What happens once you return something? Um, because most of the things that you purchase, you can return. It's not that they say you can return it. It's that they are telling you when you cannot return it. That's It's become such an accepted and expected thing from consumers. But there's another side to this. And I think that, you know, Max, um, what did you say in response to this? You know, you're kind of, I think, kind of split in how you, you felt in, you know, saying mostly depressed and slightly inspired. I... I'm to start, I'm more interested in the depressed bit. Yeah, well the article talks about the the um just like the pure amount of money's worth of things that are returned exceeding I wanna say or nearing if not exceeding a trillion dollars. Yep. <laughs> um and the fact that the vast vast majority of things that do get returned are not resold. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are literally destroyed, like just thrown away. 
So from that perspective, it's like, oh, okay. Like, especially clothes, which happen to be, it's, it seems like very common, apparently. I don't know. This is, it seems weird to me to order like five pairs of shoes from the internet knowing you're only going to keep one. Mm-hmm. Like that feels inherently wasteful. But at the same time, like there are companies like Zappos that have like, built a business model around that so yeah i mean I it's know. really and i guess if you're paying for the materials worth of five shoes then who cares if four of them get incinerated but i feel like maybe we should care yeah it's a weird thing where like that you know it's just it's porting the analog you know the the analog world version where you go into a store and you try on five pairs of shoes in the store it's like it's that same thing but for a world where nobody goes into the store to try on shoes anymore but yeah. like it was it was staggering like i i am i am a person who and particularly in the last few years and and, and they make the point in the article that a lot of you know a lot of the real explosion in returns you know is driven by kind of pandemic era consumer shifts um you know i i am guilty of doing the you know the buy a bunch of versions of a thing and return most of them. Um, and you know, I, I think I, I underestimated how much of it, like, because places will go out of their way to say, you know, it's gotta be in new condition. It's still gotta have the tags. And so you assume, well, if I'm sending back a shirt that I only tried on once and you know, I never took the tag off like yeah it's it's in saleable condition but like that's that's not really all it takes yeah i i also have done that part of part of the reason being that my option of stores where i live is pretty small uh and i guess i mostly underestimated yeah how much it gets destroyed i i I feel like with shoes, there's no way they just destroy the shoes. Um, but like, I, don't, I can remember one case where I just wanted like a tie that was the right color to match Julia's dress when we went to a wedding. And I just kind of ordered four of them um, so that I could pick out the one that, because with, with those ones, I, like one thing the article mentions is like when you order stuff on Amazon from like these off-brand people or whatever, you don't actually know what you're going to get. Like sometimes it's like, half the size that you expected so i was like i'm gonna order five of these because four of them are probably gonna be really look really bad in person and one of them will hopefully be good and maybe it's naive that i thought that they would just restock them and sell them again um but you know i i I thought that oh well it's wasteful with the packaging or whatever but you know they have these consolidated returns and i figured that there was some efficiency in the system but with a lot of things the efficiency is that it's just cheaper to throw it away (laughs) Well, yeah. I'm I'm I am glad that you mentioned that you know uh, that a lot of this you know it, it also seems like it's got a fair amount to do with you know something that we've talked about before, which is the precipitous drop in quality of the goods that are manufactured and sold around the world today. You know, the imagery that they they use at one point uh, in the article is somebody like. Uh, ordering a crocheted bikini top that barely fit the purchaser's cat. Uh, and I just like, I, I appreciated that this wasn't like a hectoring 
scold the consumer thing like this is your fault the, you are being really wasteful it where it was much more of just like truly an exploration of where does all this shit go yeah you know because it, it um, would have been it would have been so easy you know it would have been very easy for an outlet like the new yorker or the atlantic like these sort of uh, paragons of kind of you know uh enlightened paternalistic liberalism or whatever the fuck you want to call it uh to to make this the word about, you're looking for is woke <laughs> to make this about no it's not no it's not because it's, it never is woke. um that's not a thing uh, uh it would have been very easy for those places to turn this into like looking down on the the people that engage in this behavior and uh, maybe Every, it's a defensive uh, thing, but I'm I'm glad it wasn't that. Yeah, I, I think that's in and to go to the seller's perspective for a moment, um, and I think enough a good amount of time is spent with this too. Is buying things over the internet digitally, which feels weird to say, but e-commerce, um, we do have this big gain, which is that. There are lots of people who can be sellers. They don't have to have storefronts and everything. They save money on that, not getting into the rentism uh, and all that. But the thing that comes up is that the reason you do and you have these free returns, these easy returns, is because it makes customers happy. And one thing that also makes customers happy, obviously, is going into a shoe store and trying on a few pairs of shoes and finding the right one. That is a good feeling and then they put them back on the shelf but i feel like with the the e-commerce when your only interaction with a seller is a thing comes in a box to you and then you you could rate it as like five stars or whatever on on whatever that site is people don't do that as much what people will do is if they get a product that is not good then they'll post photos and they'll write an angry review and everything else and the value of the free return so that you can make a customer happy, which, you know, going way back, I think they talk about free returns or just returns in, in general. Like, yeah, they lose money on it, but they have a happy customer who is more likely to come back. So I think that there is some, you know, there is a lot of pressure here. And I'm imagining too, if, if you bought an item and it came and you're like, why why are the laces in this way? Or why is the shirt trying to ruffled and everything like that? I think people are looking for any reason to not interact with the seller. And so that feeling that they must dispose of something, even if the tags are still on and it wasn't, it wasn't worn, it was just tried on at home by someone who bought two sizes. I mean, I understand how it's like, well, we got to get rid of this because we have such small interactions with our customers. Yeah, I imagine that a lot of the things that are returned are like low quality items to begin with. I mean, that's just a just a random hypothesis. Like, I guess high quality things you probably don't need to return as much, and so that's where you might get into. Well, it was already low quality; it was cheap to make, and so if we have to spend money for someone to validate that it's okay, repackage it, put it back on the shelves, and update the inventory on online or whatever, then I can quickly see how that would be more costly when the item is probably cheap to begin with well you know you say that and and one thing that there 
uh, a good amount of time is spent with is is a company that takes the returns and tries to decide is there something wrong with it um was it just used incorrectly do you need to prove improve upon the directions you're giving like was the consumer like reasonably confused and they they give an example of pressure washers which i do want to read this aside because i think it's great which is the description of a pressure washer a pressure washer is many homeowners second favorite power tool after their chainsaw it shoots a stream of water at high velocity and can be used to clean a roof, blast mold off a wooden deck, or scare away a bear, as a friend of mine did after being surprised by one while scrubbing down the inside of a swimming pool. Only the New Yorker would explain to you what a pressure washer is, I want to say. But what they say is it does get returned, and while you do have remorse returns, like someone bought something they really didn't intend to, maybe they were drinking or, or it was an accident, um... Pressure washers, by contrast, are often returned because the people who bought them, usually men, don't read instructions. So, like, this gets into, again, that, like, as a producer, a seller, you're, like, offering anything to these consumers. But a lot of these consumers, I think, are dumb. And we have to go down to this lowest common denominator of, like, yeah, they read the directions wrong, but we still have to accept the return. Like, even though it's their fault we have to yeah, well, continue this. I think the, the bigger takeaway I had from that that anecdote was they said, well, why don't you just like install, like design yeah. it so that it has the safety feature so that this doesn't happen. And they said, well, it's much cheaper to just put a sticker on it and the sticker works for like 95% of people. And so we mathematically, we come out ahead. Yeah. So it's the lowest common denominator of acuity of people. And... They also expect, because it's online, they expect to buy the cheapest thing. Whereas, and not that I'm I'm getting out on my lawn and yelling as an old man, but you know, if you go to a store, even even if you go to, I don't know, if you go to a butcher or a farmer's market or something, if you buy the produce from like a person who has an awareness of how it works and everything, they'll be like, hey this is really great this way or make sure you do this when you start up there's none of that interaction because it's just you know as we started this with i said you all stuff to read all the time and you don't always read it and i think that that's just kind of what we do we want the easiest thing which i understand well this the the thing with the um uh the god what was it pressure, pressure washer that had or, where they were talking about the the um the shutoff valve in the water. Yeah, tank. it's the it's the pressure. So, so that uh, it just it goes to highlight a point that gets uh, a point that I I don't think maybe gets made quite explicitly enough or for long enough in the article, which is that you know um, manufacturers just don't make things to last like the planned obsolescence is the bedrock principle of like of modern capitalism it is keep you on a buying cycle it is mm -hmm. you know it is it's start breaking the iphone after a few years so that people can't get their phone repaired and use it for seven years so they'll come back and get on another installment plan and buy another one um, there, there's, there's stuff going on, you know, there are like campaigns, uh, there were, there were some big ones in, in Europe in the last couple of years, um, around like the right to repair 
um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and these sort of things that you know give uh, th- that kind of try to break the loops of like proprietary ecosystems. Um, you see that a lot also with like farm equipment, um, tractors and, and stuff like that. Like you, you know, trying to give consumers the right to, to have those things repaired outside of the, you know, the dealer outside of the ecosystem of the dealer that sold it to them. Um, and like that, I, I mean, I, that's a thing that I don't think got nearly enough coverage when it was kind of at its at its peak um but it's you know it's like everybody everybody's kind of got their hands dirty on this in some form or fashion yeah i mean max is as someone who spent a lot of time in maine and i think in general you are uh someone who's open to tinkering and and maybe trying to fix things or make things um and also you are a proponent of some companies that L.O. Bean has a, well, historically had a good return policy, less less good now. Um, and and I know, you know Patagonia as well will try to fix a lot of things. Um, you know, I think with your, maybe this wasn't what you were thinking of with inspiration, but they do spend some time toward the end of this, which is like, hey, they have some really nice vacuum cleaners and they realize eh, it was returned and it was clearly still working. We can fix this. Um, you, does this make does this in any way make you re-examine your inclination to to fix things, or does it come down to like a value judgment of like, hey, if a T-shirt has a hole in it, I'll just buy a new one? Yeah, I think it's a value judgment, um, and unfortunately for a lot of consumer, I don't know about consumer goods, but like non-apparel, um, like they've just like they say they've made it so much harder for a layman to try to fix things, whether it's because things are cheaply glued together or more likely because they have uh, like an electronic microchip in it. So like if a blender broke 20 years ago, I'd probably try to fix it. And I guarantee if I opened my blender today, I'd be like, nope. Like, yeah, there's a microcontroller in it. Try that. Yeah, like most, that takes it from, I mean, just the level of complexity and like skills required to fix it become almost exponentially higher to the point where yeah if you're doing like an assessment of the the time to value of getting a fix like it's just it's not worth uh trying unless that's like really your your hobby i guess yeah i mean just i'm thinking now about so yesterday i went to um an auto parts store and got uh air filters and i replaced them myself and it felt, felt like really nice i was like i was able to do this and as i was walking out they have all the the radios that you can put in your car and i'm just imagining like if the radio breaks in your car now like i don't know are there people out there like oh damn i'm just gonna i'm just gonna buy a new car because you can't you can't really <laughs> replace the radio i mean i'm sure you can that's, but yeah that's just, not true you can i mean yeah but you're so if it's just a big it, it, you know they're all just big screens and they have proprietary ways that they work i was it, gonna say i think a lot of cars you would have to take it to the dealership yeah yeah i don't know that i don't think a tesla owner can replace their radio themselves. oh no, i'm well, sure it's a lot of new cars that but a lot of new cars have gone with that i mean my dad's rav4 is just a big screen yeah. there's no way he could replace the it's not like a detachable it's not a detachable stereo no um 
And yeah, I have a slight problem with my so car's yeah, touchscreen interface, and I know that it would cost me a ton of money to fix this one problem. And so I just live with it, which is that I can no longer pair new phones to my car, which was <laughs> fine until I got a new phone. <laughs> so <laughs> they got no Bluetooth now. Yeah, it, it's I, yeah. I mean, this this feels in some ways. I think the emptiness of this is. I get it. I, I really, I really do. If I bought something that was delivered to me from online, and if it was a shoe, and I could tell someone else had worn it, even if it was once, I'd feel weird. I'd be like, I thought I was buying a new product. Whereas, like, if you go into a shoe store, like, I know that someone may have tried on that shoe, or if I go into a clothing store, someone may have tried on that shirt. Like, as long as it's not like underwear or socks. I'm okay with that. But all of a sudden if it's if it's online, it's it's very different. So I feel like this um you know as we as we move into this era, it's like I just kind of accept that no one is trying to fix things and we just want a brand new thing and then you you toss it out and you know, we can't really recirculate recirculate it. Like hopefully you recycle it in some fashion, but um unless you're going to I think it's Ollie's bargain place which i believe is in georgia i've seen them before like that thing is going to the trash basically yeah i don't know i mean there are some there are some like product categories where amazon will kind of repackage stuff and sell it under the amazon warehouse umbrella and like i'm i'm a person who will seek that out um, mm-hmm. and, and like proactively go for something that I know someone has returned before just because I have a pretty good feeling that they haven't returned it because it doesn't work. Um, you know, and, and that's, I buy music stuff that's used. Um, but like, it's just, we've all, all, all sides of this equation have allowed quality of stuff to degrade under the umbrella of convenience. Yeah. And, and it's a huge bummer because, you know, companies, uh, companies are, are making massive hassles for themselves to, to offer convenience because, the economy has decided that convenience is what we as consumers want more than anything else. And, you know, and we are opting for convenience routinely in, in all walks of our consumer lives are opting for convenience over quality. And, you know, it's pretty frustrating well, and I and I do want to pause for a second because I, I realize in saying like, oh, an unhappy consumer, they'll write a, a bad review off of nothing or they'll take a bunch of pictures and they'll just spam it. I do, as we're discussing that, it makes me think of, um, you know, the max contracts in the NBA and the idea of the player empowerment era and like them being able to demand trades and like, I try to be really critical of when people use those terms because it's it's effectively anti-labor. And while this isn't this isn't a it is, but it is not the same type of labor versus capital relationship. Empowering it is. Cons- well, empowering consumers 
to be able to get what they want. And a lot of the times what we're talking about is like with really, really big companies. I think that that's good. Some Sometimes the way that is expressed, like really nasty reviews and emails and stuff like that, that's not great. But if you are genuinely like, hey, you sent me a product that is bad. And I mean, I did this with a, a Kindle book not that long ago. It said it was a book. I got it. And it was like a five-page summary of a book. And I wrote a review. I was like, do not buy this. This is not what it says. Like, I was trying to be helpful. I wasn't attacking anyone. I was just saying, like, this is this is false advertising. Um, so I think that, like, empowering consumers is good mm-hmm. um, to, to a point. So I, I do want to catch myself on that. I do think that there is a positive <laughs> to this. The waste does suck because yeah, there's yeah. a lot of waste. And I, I also wanted to point out with the idea that like to some degree we are all we're all paying for this paying for the free returns it's baked into the price of the products yeah. so like if if you're abusing the system then that's kind of shitty but if you know you're returning something every once in a while then you're kind of you know you have you have paid for that privilege with with some things like with hotels oftentimes you can say i want to prepay with no cancellations to get a slightly cheaper price and airline tickets kind of work the same way but the opposite but like with a lot of with a lot of things you don't really have that option it's like you're paying for it you have the free return policy and somewhere in there you're paying an extra dollar for that and that can kind of add up over time yeah to to say nothing of the fact that the the shipping is already free and that's something that like just became an expectation and so that they they have to to give it and I, I think the same article has been written in a lot of places on the the shipping side it's like what does it mean if shipping is free like what are we sending yeah max yeah i mean i think there's 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 paying for it and then there's just being like i don't know if it's a moral question but like just being okay with it it reminds me of a seinfeld episode where i want to say kramer wants to return fruit because it's <laughs> not very good to the fruit stand like not a grocery store but it's like and the article mentions like you can, you can return food like you can and then it becomes like a you know do you return if you if you buy meat from a grocery store and it's clearly gone bad do you return it yeah maybe you don't feel bad about that but like if you buy a fruit uh, if you buy a peach from the grocery store and it's just not as good as you wanted do you return it like no. I, I don't know. There's there's more than just the paying for it. It's also like the and not not just necessarily a wasteful thing, but also just like a how low are you willing to stoop? And it reminds me. I think I even told oh, the story like, of the podcast. Like going and and the guy that was returning a pair of jeans at Costco. Yeah, yeah. And the woman said, "Sir, we haven't. This was this was this year." And she, "Sir, we haven't made these jeans since like 2007 or something." Or like the person who and he was adamant. So. Or like the person who buys uh, a bunch of milk when it's on sale and then goes back to the grocery store couple days later when the sale is over and attempts to return for a sticker price god it would be shitty if we knew anybody who had ever done that before um what what, max i'm glad you mentioned this because i think it was just last week um i went and bought a, a, a basket of goods and it included mayonnaise which was on sale um and uh a boneless skinless uh, chicken thighs. I get home. I look. The mayonnaise 
is already expired, which does mayonnaise expire? I don't know. But I was like, oh, that's not really good. I should probably return that. That's fine. I opened the chicken up and I'm I'm prepared, getting ready to prepare it. And I need to cut it. And I look, I'm like, wow, this boneless, skinless chicken thigh has a bone in it. Okay, that's weird. Then I realized they all do. And I was like, I can deal with this. The reason, and I ended up returning it, the reason is because they sold me fake weight, basically. They put, they just like the, the fish where they put the lead weights in. It's like, well, this costs more to me because of a thing that shouldn't have been there. Um, so I returned it and I was like, hey, the person was very nice, but it's like, no, this is definitely your bad. Like, this isn't me being a bad consumer. And so, I mean, Max, I feel like that's when it is. It's like, if if you are maybe an ignorant consumer or or maybe even better is like a somewhat negligent consumer, you know, that's on you. But like, if the producer sold you a false bill of goods i mean i feel like it's you should you should return it you should call them on their stuff like there's a lot of trust in that relationship and because you return something doesn't mean that the trust is broken down necessarily it's just that you didn't get what you want and they probably want you to get what you want and it it should be a a symbiotic relationship but when someone like you know pulls one over on the other like that's that's not okay i think that's that's where you should step in yeah, I have to ask a somewhat unrelated question. So you thought you were buying boneless, skinless chicken thighs. Yeah. And you brought them home and discovered that they had bones. Yes. Did they have skin on them? No. Because I've never seen skinless <laughs> bone in chicken thighs. That's You're what telling I'm... me that's what you bought. No, yeah. Accidentally. Well, Not no, accidentally. Not that's accidentally. what they mislabeled. Yeah, that's they what mis- they had mislabeled. They mislabeled. Fascinating. Okay, yeah. That, uh, I mean, that's I pretty weird. Because a... I was like, how you couldn't not see the skin. And usually it's either boneless, skinless, or bone in, skin on in the stores near me. So I was just, I was curious what you, uh, yeah, it, what the, they were what supposed the skin to be situation was. boneless, skinless, and they were skinless, but they still had bones inside. Which Who I, wants that? Well, oh, I, I, yeah. I would return no. that too. That's, well, I don't know if I would, but. I returned it. I even took it with me to show them. I was like, I brought this back because I want you to know that this happened. I was like, this hasn't happened before. I hope it doesn't happen again. And I went back to, because I had been there early in the day and I picked up a package that I had gone past earlier. It was fine. It was just like that one, they like forgot to do step two. You forgot the bones. Did they they let you uh, keep it? They're like, we'll give you your money back and keep it or they take it to- uh... They they took it. Honestly, the saddest thing is I had- They 100% threw that out. Yeah, right. well, they had to. That, that, again, they like, have that to. was another part of the article. It's like, we just need more of these things. Like, look, okay, here's your money. Just keep it. Like, it's better than throwing it away. But of yes. course, then people abuse it. And, you know, we can't have that. But yeah. yeah. And that that's that's the thing is like, I'm very hesitant to return things. And, you know, because I'm like, oh, maybe it was me. But then there are plenty of people out there that are abusing it. And so I should return. I'm doing it in good faith. And I don't know. I, yeah, I don't think the article is... Is trying to make you feel bad about returning things. It's just if you're one of these people that are like, I will just buy something automatically because the worst case is that I will return it. Then to maybe second guess yourself there. Yeah, yeah the people who like buy buy suits or dresses and then return them after the event. Like, yeah, you saved a lot of money, but like, it's kind of. It's, that's not a good faith thing. That isn't bad. <laughs> or faith. buying a book and then returning it after reading it. 
Just use your library. Yeah. Or, or taking yeah. or taking a mini fridge with a busted Freon coil back to Los. Be wild wow. if anybody had ever done that before. Came like that. Yeah, it came. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah, that's, was it, that's true. It didn't. But was it on the part of a negligent consumer or or a deceptive producer? The world may never know. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, yeah. So, well, to avoid spoiling that secret. Uh, maybe we should wrap up here and, and move on to uh, Pierce's sorry. I mean, I feel like with all of that, the, the rule is just don't be that guy. Don't, you know, that's that's always the rule. Like, just think about it. But um, so I am tomorrow morning. I'm actually going to drive to toward Kevin. And along the way, I'm going to be in uh, driving through the western part of Virginia and I will probably spend some time in the driving through the the Shenandoah Valley general area. Um, and one thing I don't think I'm going to do because I've been reflecting on it for a while is that um, that area is famous for among other things uh, for having the Valley Turnpike um, which was used to a great degree during the Civil War. Um, and was very important. The control of it was super important. And this is the thing I know and I've shared with other people because I am quickly becoming someone who reads Civil War books too much. And I had to catch myself, and the reason I may not spend much time with that, and there's a museum that I probably should not go to, is because when I was reading a particular book earlier this year, um, I had to apologize, and I'm apologizing again today, because I would just randomly start spouting civil war facts and while it's good to be enthusiastic about what you've read as we just did today um really no one cares and if you find other sickos that do care keep it to yourselves don't share it with others so if you're reading civil war books i'm glad you're excited there are forums for you to discuss it other members of your household who are very much not reading those books do not care. So um, be careful who you share Civil War book facts with. If you go to the uh, Turner Ashby Memorial here, you can maybe find someone that will uh, talk to you. Yeah, but that's the thing about sickos is like when they're once there are two sickos together, you have to reflect on like what is going on there and that you are causing a problem necessarily. Well, and and in some places, it not not uh, I'm not casting aspersions on Harrisonburg. Uh, in some places, you might have to worry about which side their sickos about. Yeah. So I, I I have been to the 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 ironworks in in Richmond uh, before, and that's where I went. Huh. Hmm. That, interesting. Uh, so that that Civil War museum is great, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll we'll do a, a big idea from pop culture, and I, I have an actual one. Um, Oh, I deleted it from my note. Um, damn, there I had there was some great quote about uh, McClellan being a real dummy. Um, I'm sad that I, I took it out of my big ideas uh, if, from pop if, culture if, <laughs> note. If if I may, it very was not briefly, from the Shelby Foot books. If I may, very briefly. Um, so McClellan famously always thought the Confederate army was way bigger than it actually was. 
Um, I did learn that the person who was telling him that, and I can I can share this with you all because you actually find it interesting. The person who was telling him that and was just so wrong all the time uh, was the original original Pinkerton. It was Mister Pinkerton of the Pinkertons. So the original like annoying private eye cop was the one who could not count. I, I am sorry. This that was my fault. That was 100 yeah, percent my walked fault. Right into it. You can't just mention McClellan in front of me and expect nothing to happen. Um, so I, I will, I will attempt to to claw claw back to the good graces of the listeners uh, with an actual big idea from pop culture. And uh, fittingly, this week it is another New Yorker article um, about. Uh, listening. It is a personal essay about listening to Taylor Swift from prison, and I, I just like I don't I don't want to I don't really want to give it uh, I don't I don't want to spoil anything from the article uh, because it is one of the best pieces of writing I've read in a while, uh, and it's it's just it's this moving piece about you know uh, a a man who is serving a very long prison term um, coming around to Taylor Swift's music and uh, taking a real journey of self-discovery along the way. So I will, uh, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, and uh, yeah, Max, it's time for trivia. What do you have for us? Yeah. So tis the season. Uh that season, of course, is the NFL season, uh, the which pumpkin starts spice tomorrow. Season. Pumpkin spice NFL season, uh, and so it's also a fantasy football season. Oh boy! I know Sean and I are participating in some some fantasy uh, events and whatnot. But this question is just around the the history of NFL. So I've got more of a stat, and I'll ask you all how you'd like me to ask the question. Um, so there are. Five uh, NFL players that have scored uh, 25 or more touchdowns in a season. They are all running backs, and they all scored their touchdowns between and including the years of 1995 and 2015. Really? Okay. Yes. Uh, Do you want to just name the person who has scored the most touchdowns in an NFL season with potential bonus points, or do you want to attempt to name as many of the five as you can, which could be harder to keep track of? I'd say that we should do the second one. Yeah, I think so too. Name as many as you can. Yeah. yeah and we'll just I was ha- thinking we'll too, our, I... we'll have our list and then we'll, we'll each go and promise yes. not to change it. So can cut Sean, you said really, I, I hope that this football database website that I found is legit. Oh, I, I'm, I'm not to... questioning the veracity of it. I just, yes. it's not what I would have expected as the time frame. Although the, the season length is a, a pretty pressing factor in that. Yeah. I'll say between 1995 and what did I say? 2015 or now, um, I don't want to give away the last year someone did it. So yeah. no, that's that's fair. Um, there are five running backs with twenty-five or more touchdowns. Uh, I 
think I've. I need a fifth. I'm gonna need a little. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna need a skosh uh, longer yeah. than that. I'm. I'm not. I just watch so much so. bad football. It's really <laughs> hard for me. Um, ha. Oh man. Um. I need a fifth. I'm, I've I've have I have four guesses. I'm trying to get to a fifth as well. Um, shit. Let's. I don't know how many of these I would get. Oh dear. Okay. All right. Hold on. I I need at least one more. I only have two, and I'm really blanking here. You have to um, do some editing here. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I know I told Bridget I would rush and then I asked a question that takes 10 minutes to prep. <laughs> All right, whatever. I got I got my guess. I'm ready whenever. Yeah, I'll just I'll Sean just needs a second. Uh, give me a moment. Hang, hang on. So, listeners, this is uh, covering over the part where we all spent approximately 47 minutes coming up <laughs> with our list of guesses. <laughs> I'm just gonna go with two. I don't care. <laughs> my, my, no, I just like makes it feel better. Yeah. All right. Should I go first? All right. Yeah. You all have your answers. All right. Max. Max threw me off with a, a thing he said while we were deliberating, which is that he didn't know how many, if any, of them he would get. So I'm sure. Oh, I didn't mean to throw you off. I'm sure my list I'd of get two or three. I'm sure my list of. Uh, high performing running backs from this time is probably going to let me down. Um, but I have Adrian Peterson, Larry Johnson, Sean Alexander, Kijana Carter, and Jamal Lewis. All right. Um, I went with priest Holmes instead of Johnson. I couldn't decide which one I wanted. Um, Ladanian Tomlinson, Sean Alexander, Adrian Peterson and uh, Barry Sanders, if he fits the time. I don't think he fits the time. All right. Uh, well, it's good that I have that there is not that much crossover here. The only two I could come up with are Ladanian Tomlinson and Marshall Falk. Can I can I change one of my answers? Is it is it too late? Am I, I'm locked in. No, yeah. I'll be locked. I'll be locked in. You're locked in. All right. So according to my math, uh, Kevin got three. Pierce got two. Yeah. Sean, you got only one. God damn it. So the number one with the most touchdowns in a single season is LaDainian Tomlinson, 2006 with 31. Had him on my fantasy team. Then we've got Sean Alexander, Priest Holmes, Marshall Falk, and Emmett Smith. Oh, Emmett Smith. So Emmett Smith was the one that I was going to swap in. Who is so, two and three? Priest Holmes and who else? Sean. Sean. Uh, I, uh, I wanted to think... Mar- I was going to guess Marshall Falk, but I was like, well, they had like a legit passing game. So I felt like that meant well, they threw him the ball. He was, yeah. he was, that was the thing. It was like, oh, running backs are allowed to catch the ball. No one told us that. Yeah, Only Mike ball, Martz knew it. When, it. when did Barry Sanders retire? Like 95, maybe. Oh, yeah. I am so disappointed in myself for not getting LT. The others, the others, I'm okay with not gonna, having gotten. Yeah, I, I was pumped about Sean Alexander. It's like, I'm going to be the only one who gets him. But then Sean said, it's like, oh, whatever. 
Um, all right. Good good trivia question to, good to trivia. bring us back yeah, right. into football season. Too bad <laughs> listeners will probably hear this halfway through week two. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, that's the end of the show. You can find us at our home on the web at www.prettyokpod.com or you can subscribe to the show feed on your podcast app of choice. We'll be back next time to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening.